This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday? Thursday. Thursday, May 29th, 2023 edition. I believe that is June 29th. Oh, June. You're correct. And uh, that is Luke you have here with us per usual. Welcome back, Luke. Thank you. I'll keep and, an eye on the calendar. Yeah, keep on the keep an eye on the calendar for me. Sometimes uh, that slips and that means 4th of July is just around the corner. And what are we, uh, one more trading day left in the quarter? One low volume trading day left in the quarter. Yep, exactly. And our job here each and every weekday is to give you straightforward answers to your finance and investment questions. And that's why you set the, the table for Luke and I today. And we don't pre-screen our live calls. We take what you throw at us. And we're committed to giving you simple, down-to-earth answers based on 20-plus years of investment experience and lots of data. Luke, Luke, I know Luke is a big data guy. So. Data dog. Yes, exactly. Data dog. That's a good, good way to put it. Now, no, uh, you know, we don't have a hidden agenda. We're trying to help you, encourage you to make smart decisions that avoid emotions and focus on the task at hand, which is assessing the environment, assessing the data as it comes in, and making down-to-earth decisions. Now, our the end goal is to help you take that next step towards your goals, which is your financial freedom. That works. That looks differently for everybody, and, but the principles are generally the same. So we're ready to tackle your questions, and I'm sure you've, you have them. So give our Invest Talk Any Timeline a call at 888-99-CHART. Now, our focus point looks into the story about the high five banking method strategy, and this is taking a look at kind of bucketing your cash towards different goals. And I like this because it's more of a personal finance topic. I know we talked a lot about investing here on Invest Talk, but uh, sometimes it's important to go back to the basics and, and start to create smart habits because your investment strategy matters not if you're not saving. Okay, So uh, how those saving mechanisms come to be uh, it may be different for everybody, but uh, I like this method because it gives you a, a simple way to think about uh, how to allocate your cash, at least in the near term. So we're going to look at that. Also, we have a story on Bidenomics. I think this is very important, something I was talking about a couple of years ago, but uh, a lot to do with the, the shift in how governments are uh, deploying their spending and how that's going to impact the economy, inflation, growth, etc., over the next, I think, many decades. Uh, and uh, President Biden uh, had a recent speech, and he coined the term Bidenomics, which we're going to look at. Also, we're going to touch on inflation around the world. Guess what, Luke? Inflation is not a new phenomenon. It's not. It's not a phenomenon just siloed to America. It's a, it's a worldwide problem, right? 
In fact, uh, from what I've seen, it looks like we're doing better than most other G7 nations. And, and most uh, people probably wouldn't realize that. I know. Uh, so, you know, every, every country always has a dispersion of, of uh, inflation outcomes, even in low inflationary environments. But obviously, as inflation has picked up around the world, uh, that dispersion has become larger. So we're going to look at that. We also have some voice bank questions to get. One is on GNRC, Generic Holdings, and Catalent? CTLT, I've never heard of that one, but we're going to take a look at that. So we have all this planned for this episode of Invest Talk, but most importantly, your live calls. Your live calls are first. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. Let's take a quick look at the market today. It was a decidedly positive day, and it was another one of those days. We had this on Monday where value drastically outperformed. Tuesday and Wednesday, growth had a little comeback, but today was another one of those days where uh, you had commodities do very well, and some of those big money-losing tech names are starting to lose some momentum. Virgin Galactic was down over uh, 10% today. Carvana was down 8%. So uh, interesting, uh, in interesting new trends are starting to emerge, and it, it, to me, it continues to look like on the chart that that growth over value that's dominated the first half of this year is starting to lose momentum just as we're getting to the back half of the year. Luke, does, are, are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, not only that, small caps. The Russell 2000 was up 1.23% today versus the S&P 500, only up 45 basis points, probably on the back of, like you said, some of the valuation issues we've been saying, but also you know, the initial uh, jobless claims declined for the most in, in 20 months. Q1 GDP was revised up, but overall, like I said at the top of the show, you know, this week tends to be a pretty low volume week, so I wouldn't read too much into it going into the to the holiday. Yeah, and you, you, what was interesting was pending home sales. That was down one of the weakest uh, of the year so far. So that's pending home sales. That includes existing and new. So that uh, that was down a bit. Uh, so definitely a mixed picture. You had uh, weak data out of China, um, but what was interesting is. You know, the commodity space actually performed well, even though the data of China was weak. So usually when you get positive reaction off of weak news, that tends to be uh, fairly bullish, at least in the, in the short term. And uh, that's at least what you saw uh, today. So a uh, very interesting continuation from that Monday uh, reversal. We'll see if we'll get, some, get more reversal as we enter the second half of the year. Now let's head over to our first listener question now at 888-99-CHART. Hello, Stephen Justin. My name is Paige. I'm calling about ticker symbol PAX, Patria Investments Limited. I learned about this stock from an article about a new economic order, if Ray Dalio is correct. Um, this stock invests in Latin America, and I don't have much exposure in foreign markets, so very curious about what you think about fund the stock. Thank you so much. All right. This is an interesting one. It is a private market investment firm and it provides global and Latin, mark, mark, Latin American investors with attractive investment products that allow for portfolio diversification and consistent returns. That's uh, at least the, the profile that I say here. Very small company. Look, only $2 billion market yeah, very cap. Tiny. What was that? You said very tiny. Very tiny. Yeah. Very tiny, but the sales are growing, but earnings look to be kind of all over the place. Last year, earnings were a dollar per share. It's supposed to be 67 cents per share this year, back up to a dollar next year. 
yield 6%. But the big question is that a safe dividend, Luke? Uh, I mean, I'm not so much concerned about the the dividend as the fact that it's you know it's a 19 billion dollar fee generating AUM fund. Uh, I guess you know if you're looking to get some sort of more diversified exposure internationally, I would probably go towards you know a mutual fund rather than an asset management business. Yeah, and you have to look at that that historically that uh, dividend is a bit up and down, actually drastically up and down over the past couple of years. So I wouldn't look at that dividend and say that's going to be consistent. Uh, and like you said, Luke, there are better options. And, and the question is, if you want foreign exposure, is the South American market really the one you want to gain exposure <laughs> to? You know, the, the history of coups and, and political uprisings in South America are numerous. And that throws a lot of, of risk into uh, this type of name. So I don't love the risk versus reward here. And then if I look at the technicals, the technicals are not very exciting either. We're kind of neutral. Uh, and it's pretty low volume. This is a very, uh, well, actually, no, never mind. I thought it looks low volume on the chart at least. But the technicals aren't very hot. So I'm going to pass on, on packs. What do you think? Yeah, I'd pass as well. Yep. All right. We're going to head to a quick break. And please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on the Invest Talk Voice Bank. Or if you're listening via the live stream on AM 1220 radio in the Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888 chart When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, how do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap because there's a lot of regulatory risk. And Steve Peasley. I, I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson Food, this is where I'd buy it. Benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24 7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. Symbol BKE, what's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99 Chart. The stock market is constantly changing. And serious investors know that they need to modify their portfolio assets to fit the times. And now, with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on Invest Talk. 888 99Chart. Now, our main focus point today looks into the story about the high five banking strategy method. And this is more of a personal finance tip, but uh, it's pretty it's pretty interesting kind of bucket strategy. And the bucket strategy has been around for a long time, uh, kind of short, medium, and long-term buckets that you put your, your money in. And this is kind of breaking down that, definitely the short and medium-term buckets into different types of accounts to kind of focus on budgeting, really. And what they basically say is you have two checking accounts, your 
one for your bills and other for your lifestyle. So one for things that are not discretionary that you have to pay, right? Whether that's your rent and your mortgage or your, uh, your, uh, your utilities, the things that without you will have a rough, rougher life. Uh, and then the second would be more of your spending on eating out more discretionary items that some months you might spend a little more, some months spend a little less and, and you focus on keeping that uh, kind of restrained so that you're not dipping into uh, those other areas. And then the, the next three would all be savings accounts. One would be an emergency fund. Others would be uh, more short-term goals. So if you were going to put money on down on a new car, let's say in, in, in six months, or you're going to go on vacation or a, a, a some type of sporting event that you really want to go to something that's more within that, that first year. And then the third would be more over kind of one to three years, whether it's a down payment on a house or, uh, you, maybe you're going to have a wedding or something like that. All these are different buckets that you can utilize to make sure that you're, you're staying on task. Uh, Luke, have you ever tried something like this? You know, I have in a way, um, I think my first exposure to this, my, my, my mother and my father actually told me, you know, when they first got married and lived together, obviously they had different salaries and they would deposit a proportional amount of that salary related to their bills into their bill checking account. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do the same thing in a way with my car payment, which I got a loan on my car through credit union. Uh, I have money going directly to that uh, account so mm -hmm. that you don't even see it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a good way to think about there's a difference between your income and your discretionary income. And by getting things into a separate account where that's your bill account, it's just a better way to, to, to lend, to have a lens towards what kind of money you actually have to spend. Yeah. I, I really like this because it, it goes back to the number one savings vehicle most people have is their 401k because they never see it into their checking account where they could potentially spend it. And when you can kind of silo each of, uh, silo your money into each of these five different buckets, you can really only focus when you're going to spend on a discretionary basis, right? You're at the store, you're out to eat or whatever, and figure out how much you want it. You want to spend. You're looking at a much smaller bucket and you are, you feel more constrained because you want to prioritize those other things. Obviously bucket number one, the, 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 the very important uh, bills that you have to pay and then buckets three, four, and five, you're going to have likely, hopefully, a plan towards, hey, how much do I need? How much do I need to spend a month to get to those particular, uh, no, not spend, how much do I need to save each particular month uh, in order to reach those those particular goals? And that kind of simplifies everything down and keeps your eye on a certain amount of dollar amount that you can play with. And we all want, you know, certain, certain bucket to play with, but we don't want to take our eye off of those, those, those short, medium, and even long-term goals. So I really uh, like this strategy overall. And obviously, you know, how you invest it, that depends on your time horizon. But for most of these buckets, you're short-term, right? So you're focusing on maybe high-yield savings accounts, CDs maybe, uh, nothing too risky with any one of these types of buckets. Now, it's a fast-moving Thursday. The market is constantly changing, and you must have a finance or investment question for us. So we're ready. On a best stock at 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. Uh, I have a question for you. We own uh, Bristol-Myers Squibb, BMY. 
Uh, just wondering if we should uh, sell it and move on to something that would do a little bit better. What's your question? 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Jordan. He is just south of us in Dana Point, California, and he's looking at Mosaic. You looking to buy it or do you own it? Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. I own it and uh, I own that and CF. Uh, both fertilizer stocks, and they're um, a little bit down right now. I'm wondering if you think they're going to pop back up, if I should hold it, or just take my losses and sell. Well, if you're looking at well, – these are both fertilizer companies, but they're a bit different. Where CF is focused on nitrogen fertilizers, and Mosaic is phosphate fertilizers. And for various reasons, the uh, the – Nitrogen fertilizers uh, are in tighter supply. And so that's why you're seeing CF have better relative strength. Mosaic's 11, where CF is 17. Neither are fantastic, but uh, both are starting to improve from their recent lows. And I think that's the, that's, that's the big positive you can take in the near term is that uh, they're, starting to, they're starting to break above the 50-day moving average, uh, at least on CF, where that hasn't been the case since they broke below the 50-day moving average in December. Um, so that downtrend looks to be trying to reverse. Um, so that's the positive. Um, so what I would say is if you want to hold one, it would be CF. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, I definitely agree because I want to add that, you know, Mosaic, uh, as of March 2023 period, and its net debt to EBITDA was more than 10 times higher than the industry average. So especially in a time of rising interest rates, that's not, that's not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So both, once again, are improving from a technical perspective, but CF is is definitely the the better longer term hold uh, for the, the reasons we kind of just stated. So uh, it's up to you whether you want to hold both, but uh, over the long term, I would be looking to exit at least Mosaic. Okay. Thanks okay, great. for thank you guys. No problem. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on a new phrase that was basically kicked off yesterday. And this is Bidenomics. And we all are pretty familiar with Reaganomics, which was launched roughly 40 years ago. And this was defined by the opposition to post-war consensus that promoted big government. And it was all about small governments, right? Remember Reagan said the, 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 the worst words are I'm government and I'm here to help or something. Isn't I'm that, from right? the federal government and I'm here to help. Yeah, there you go. So this is really the antithesis of that. And he delivered the speech for the first time, embracing what he calls Bidenomics. And it's a fundamental break from, uh, in his words, an economic theory that has failed American middle class for decades now called trickle-down economics, another word for economics, right? So this is really about embracing government's role in industrial policy, government oversights of markets. And Wall Street might not love this, right? But it all depends on how effectively, I guess, the government's going to spend money. Uh, if you're lo- listening to Reagan, they probably don't do it very well. Uh, and if you're listening to maybe some other uh, w- other experts, they might say they do it better than most people think. Um, but. You know, there are five main points to 
this speech that investors should understand. So Luke, why don't you kick us off with uh, point number one? Yeah, well, the first one is that this this new policy structure, like you said, this repudiation of the past 40 years, if you will, is really moving towards trying to create a path towards long-term job growth rather than a path towards immediate-term job growth, which maybe it's just a thing he's saying because he doesn't, he doesn't want you to think that he's just doing it for the short term, but certainly focusing beyond the next election is something that I think everybody can agree with. And that's challenging politically, right? To Incredibly. to say, "Hey, I'm I, I'm less worried about the uh, the jobs picture today as I am five, ten years down the line, and and the strength of uh, the, the the domestic job market uh, compared to the global job market." Now, that's easy to say when unemployment rate is sub four, <laughs> but what happens if the unemployment rate's six or seven? Does that uh, does that ultimately change? But, but that's not just a business, a government problem either, right? That's a business problem too. CEOs have to manage short term versus long term incentives, yeah. stock price versus yeah. for future appreciation. Yeah, and I think a lot of this comes down to the the move towards instead of shareholder capital, capital you have stakeholder capital, mm -hmm. and uh, I, this is a a term I talked about a lot over the past couple of years. That hey, the the the, the world's changing in that way. Okay. Um, and now the second part of second pillar, I guess you should say here, is that it's about investing in uh, green innovation, infrastructure investments, curbing monopolistic power, uh, restraining workers and uh, bolstering supply chains by putting America first and having those type of trade policies. So, you know, a lot of that is something interesting enough were pillars of the Trump administration as well, right, Luke? Yeah, I think that was the most interesting part about uh, you know President Trump's stance on trade was that there would he wasn't too far apart from Bernie Sanders, who is on the mm -hmm. complete opposite side, right? Yep. Typically, the the Conservative Party has been for uh, you know uh, globalization and, and Reaganomics, and, and, right? Exactly, That's and been the the, the, and the center of the party. Exactly, and the progressives were for you know paring back free trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, that's an interesting shift there, and, and th that's why you know, China becoming the entity, that's, that's the one bipartisan thing in Congress right now is kind of this America first uh, shift, which it's a more, more a matter of how you do, the, uh, you implement those policies, but at least they're, they're pointed in that, in that same direction. Yeah, which really brings us to the third pillar, right, which is tied to the second pillar, which is how do you accomplish the shoring up of supply chains in America first? And that's a bond between business, the markets, and the government. Exactly. And the fourth is the fact that this is spreading. It's not just here in the U.S. It's, going, it's, it's uh, spreading around the world, this type of uh, policy thought. And the fifth is really about uh, producing tangible economic uh, outcomes. Uh, and you've kind of seen that with the Inflation Reduction Act. So very interesting speech that the president made yesterday. Now we're heading into a break. So give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent, 
So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. In the Bay Area, looking at APOG. Uh, Apogee? Apogee? How do you say this This company? I'm not you know? going to try. I mean, yeah. Hi. I was looking for, to add uh, a good uh, small cap uh, stock in the industrial sector to my portfolio, and I stumbled upon this uh, uh-huh. last month when it was in the high 30s, but uh, it just zoomed almost like 20% up in the last few weeks. Uh, it has a good uh, a small dividend. Sure, like they grow nicely year over year. The fundamentals look good, but I doubt the current price. So, uh, so, so please uh, let let me know. Like, uh, what would be a good uh, uh, point? Look at it. Is it a good stock to look at? Uh, I would uh, value your opinion very much. Thank you. Well, the technicals have improved dramatically. It was in a strong downtrend as of the end of May, and. As soon as June hit, it pretty much turned around and it moved from the high 30s all the way into the high 40s, up uh, over $10 from that low, 30, 30-ish percent from the recent low. Uh, and for everyone else out there, this is Apogee, Apogee? How would you say it, Luke? Let's go with Apogee. Apogee? Okay. Uh, APOG is the symbol. And it's certainly a small cap, right? About a billion-dollar market cap. So it's earned $4.23 this year after earning $3.98 last year. And those estimates for forward-looking earnings are improving, about a 2% yield. But if you look at the recent growth, it's been pretty meager. Last quarter, sales up 1%, earnings up 5%. Luke, what do you think is the catalyst for this 30% rise in less than a month? Yeah, I mean, my guess is just the housing start numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think probably it's less the the earnings and more the forward guidance. Yeah, and, and for everybody else, what they do is they manufacture architectural glass and metal glass framing for entrances of commercial buildings, institutional and high-end multifamily residential buildings. So as long as there's fixed investment in the, these high-end buildings, not your your not your low-end departments, probably. Those are just using standard wood framings. They're probably not getting too fancy with their uh, with the uh, with the architectural design. Um, but when you are, this is the type of company that you, you, these designers are turning to to help uh, put their designs into the, actually the real world. And it makes sense that 
because they are so specialized that they are fairly profitable. Uh, the return equity long term, it definitely ebbs and flows. And I think that's what worries me the most. It does have times where it reaches up into the high teens, now up to 28% return on equity. But during tough times, 2011, it was negative. 2021 during COVID, it was also negative. But those are, those are kind of understandable. Uh, but historically, this is a fairly profitable business. And that's what I like about it. And they have very little debt. Yeah, I like the theme. I like the theme of the choice of looking at this company. I like I like uh, kind of the reasons why I talked about in terms of housing starts of why it may be profitable moving forward. Mm -hmm. What I don't like is both the trailing and the next 12 month uh, EBIT margins a little low, 9%, 12% on EBITDA margin compared to its competitors. So for me, it's not a valuation issue. It may just be a operationally, are they efficient in terms of, of their supply chain and, and their costs? Um, that's something that you kind of got to wait and see. Yeah, and you pull back on a chart, it's not really in any type of longer term uptrend. Really, it's gone sideways since 2015. That's not a good look, right? When the stock price just kind of uh, chopped sideways. And their business fundamentals, look at cash uh, from operations, that's been all over the board really since 2015 as well, up and down from uh, kind of a range between 175 million all the way down to only 40 million. So uh, that's a bit of a worry. Now, one thing I like, like you said, is that they're, uh, they have low debt, they're buying back shares, that's a positive. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of like the theme, uh, like you said, very, I like the balance sheet, uh, the longer term trend, I think there's, even though we're gonna build less offices, there's probably still gonna be uh, commercial buildings of, of other types and the, supply or the, the future supply and demand of the multifamily, I think is going to remain robust. So I kind of like it, but I think it's a little bit overbought. I think you want to wait for a pullback here uh, in the near term. Thanks for the call. That was Apogee, I guess. We'll go with whatever we'll go it with sounds it. Yeah. A-P-O-G is the symbol. Now let's do two in a row. This question came in earlier on 888 chart. Hey, Steve, Justin, this is Adam from St. Paul, Minnesota had a question about ticker symbol GNRC. It's been a long time listener uh, trying to get better at thinking ahead and companies that might do well have catalysts in the future. And I know this one uh, with home generators has been doing well given the situation in Texas, but potentially adding into El Nino. Just wanted to get your perspective on the company's fundamentals, see if it has peaked or you think it will continue to go up. Thanks for everything and look forward to hearing your question, uh, answer on the show. Thanks. All right. This is Generac Holdings, about a, about a mid-cap stock, right? About $9 billion market cap. And this is a company that drastically benefited from the pandemic because they sell standby generators. And those are doing very well in a time where there's a lot of uncertainty about how the world was going to evolve. Uh, you had the, the power problems in Texas a couple years ago. Uh, that certainly uh, be was uh, beneficial for them. And earn the stock went from pre-pandemic right around, what was this, $100 per share, all the way zoomed up to $500 per share in the span of less than two years and pulled back all the way back below $100 per share. Now we're back above the 147 and starting to enter an uptrend with, you know, I'd say decent multiples looking forward to $8 in earnings next year. You're talking about a high teens multiple. Do you think it's worth high teens looking forward? 
Mm, there are not many things that are worth high teens multiples, but I, you know, one thing that I that is that's striking me is they have some decent amount of debt. It's a nine billion dollar company, one point five million in debt, but still their their interest rate coverage ratio is relatively low. Again, this is another one where I, I certainly like the theme, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not necessarily sure if this is the one to go with. Yeah, what I don't like is that while the equity price performance has started to tick up, I don't see any real shift positively in the underlying fundamentals of the business. The cash from operations trailing 12 months is only 50 million. That's from a peak of 650 million yeah. back in 2021. And even pre-pandemic, they were running about 250 million in operating cash flow. So Look at those profitability trends right there. Yeah, exactly. So the prof trends are, are struggling. Now, technically, it is an uptrend. And maybe this is a bet on more problems with the Texas energy grid. Uh, maybe more problems in Russia, right, or in, in Europe with uh, the demand for uh, these generators maybe increasing as uh, maybe there's more blackouts, brownouts, etc. Also so valid. Yeah, I like I like the longer term idea of this, but I would need more more confidence that their business trends are going to turn around. Now, typically, the chart does lead that, though, uh, right? The market starts to price that in before you see that in their earnings. Uh, but it would really, really have to turn around in a big, big way. And so I just don't have the confidence here to, to jump in unless maybe the caller knows something. No. Uh, but I think uh, I'm passing on uh, GNRC for now, Generac. All right. For clarification, uh, Apogee is actually at... Apogee. There we go. Apogee. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, our, our engineer, Jorge, uh, correct us, uh, corrected us there. Oh, Tom, actually, our, our uh, producer did. Let's go talk to James. He's in San Jose looking at NRG. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Uh, recently, an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, talked about NRG. Uh, they apparently distribute 80% of their earnings in dividends. And uh, I just wanted to see what your take is on this, uh, what would be a good entry point. But when I looked up the ticker symbol on my uh, broker platform, it's showing a negative EPS. So I just wanted to see what your thoughts are. Are you seeing a negative EPS, Luke? Pulling it up right now. I am seeing... Uh, no, I'm seeing positive. I see net income of negative 1.8 billion trading 12 months. So what is going on here? Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a mixed bag here as well. I see different, uh, different systems saying different things. Uh, but I do see at least the last two quarters earnings were drastically negative. So yeah, they're, they're actually earning a negative amount. So what I would say is, don't buy into companies just because they pay out 80% of the, their, their earnings as dividends. I say this time after time. Dividends are should be very low on the list of the data points you look at to rank the attractiveness of a company or not. It's the sustainability of that dividend. And the earnings have been up and down for energy for a long period of time. Back in 2016 and 17, they lost money. And then 18, they started to make a bunch of money and have made pretty much made money every year until the last uh, two quarters where that's turned negative. Does that mean that they're going to get rid of their dividend now? I think that's potential. 2000, 
let's see, yeah, 2016, they cut their dividend from 14 cents a share to zero and then brought it back in 2020. So that dividend is, is not safe. It's going to increase and decrease depending on the, 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 the success of their business. And that's not a type of dividend payer that you want. Now, you might be okay with volatility of that earnings and, and sometimes uh, you know the, the, the upside of that earnings is better than the downside over the long term, but that's not a reason to buy a stock because of the dividend. Uh, if you want to buy a, a company that pays 80% of their dividends out as, uh, or their earnings out as dividends, go buy a REIT, right, Luke? Yep, go buy a REIT, go buy, go buy some bonds if you're looking for some income. Yeah, and this is a utility, and I, I think there was a call on this uh, yesterday or Monday, I know earlier this week, and it said same thing. This doesn't this doesn't attract me, based on if you look at the utility industry as a whole. If I'm buying utilities, I want to buy something that is a lot steadier than this, and I can count on the dividend uh, a lot more. I can't count on this dividend or this or the the consistency of the business. Yeah, no, I agree. This is actually a name I was looking at in March, and uh, I just couldn't get past the past two quarters earnings per share. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, I would pass on NRG. Another good theme, though. Another good theme. Yeah, look for yeah, something else. Exactly. Now, Steve and I have been telling you for a while that we are in a new market environment. A new cycle has begun, and that means serious investors need to understand those trends and adjust their portfolios and their thinking to fit the times. So if you need help, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, where we practice parallel investing and we, which means we invest right alongside our clients and we practice the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. So you can schedule a time with me via telephone or go to meeting. And you can do that by heading over to our website, investtalk.com, clicking on the portfolio review button on the top right and filling that out. And we'll get right back to you. The sooner you contact us, the sooner we can help get your portfolio optimized. Now, let's pivot over to inflation, Luke, and talk about how you know, inflation is a worldwide phenomenon. And in some countries, pressures have eased as energy prices have ebbed. But others, food prices have uh, gone the other way. And every country is a bit different. You know, here in the US, it's kind of a mixed bag. We're right at about 4% on inflation. But if you head over to Europe, France is 51 the UK is 8.7. And then you have places like India, 4.3. Brazil's 3.9, a little bit lower than ours. Uh, so it just depends on where you're at. But we're actually kind of in the lower end of the inflation uh, range worldwide. Why do you think that is? Because we're in the Western Hemisphere. Okay. I mean, that's truly why it is. Uh, all the other G7 countries that have to deal with uh, more with the energy crisis in Europe, uh, I mean, that's that's what caused it. I remember I was in Germany in, in September and gas was the equivalent of $8 a gallon. I mean, it's it, it energy and so many things that are, that are caused by uh, their dependence on external supply chains is the reason why inflation is so high there. Yeah, and if you look at some, there's some interesting countries that have, Huge inflation. Venezuela is a nice, solid 429%. <laughs> uh, Pakistan's 38%. Nigeria is 22.4%. But even some EU countries, Poland is 132 So Czech Republic, 11%. Germany is 64 And Spain is probably the best, only one9 That's pretty interesting. And Portugal, right around 4%. So uh, India is 4.3%. China, 0.1%. Definitely doing the best there. Japan 3.2. So 
there are some countries that are doing better than us, but most are actually doing worse when it comes to it. And like you said, uh, are mostly in, in Europe. And uh, the big question or the, bit, the interesting part is that investors' expectations of where inflation will be five years from now have started to uh, have stopped increasing. So that is a reflection of a viewpoint by the markets that the economy will continue to slow in the years to come due to tight monetary policy. Uh, and I think the biggest challenge to that will be the fiscal packages. Uh, you know, governments are trying to stop inflation while also simultaneously spend a lot of money. So that doesn't really square, right? No, it doesn't. And, and <laughs> the thing that I think people may not be thinking about, though, is that uh, monetary tightness goes out the window the second something breaks. <laughs> Right, which is something that we've been talking about all the time. So, so maybe the inflation expectations will change when something breaks. Yeah, and we saw that recently over the past what eight months with the UK mm -hmm. guilt crisis and the Japanese JGB crisis in the fall, and then the, the the regional bank crisis here in the in the spring, and all of this created a more accommodative uh, central bank, and so uh, liquidity improved, and then you had improving asset prices. So uh, you're right. While inflation is an issue, uh, I think the governments are always going to choose keeping the system in order than having a disintegrative uh, deflationary impulse like 08. Right? Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein with Luke Guerrero, and we have one goal here each and every weekday, and that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Good afternoon. Uh, this is Sarah from Delaware. And I'm uh, interested in a stock that is called Catalent. C-T-L-T, Catalent. And I would like your assessment of the stock. Thank you very much. All right, looking at CTLT Catalint, and this is another mid-cap name, about $7.7 .7 billion market cap. And they are a contract manufacturer in the biotech space. And they have four segments, biologic, soft gel, and oral technologies, oral and special delivery, and clinical supply services. And this did very well during COVID, right? A lot of companies maybe trying to use them for R&D uh, and development of various drugs and earnings went from $1.81 2019 to $3.79 last year. However, this year earnings are expected to fall to $1.03, down 73%. And the trend of those earnings continue to fall as well. Last quarter, revenues down 19% and they lost $0.09 cents a share. And that's why this has been in a downtrend since the end of 2021, where it peaked right around $140 per share. Now it's at 43 so, Luke, is this worth 40-plus times forward-looking earnings? No. Yeah. Absolutely not. And, you know, compared to the subsector, which is only down 27.7%, this company's down 64.3% from the high. It hasn't seen these prices since before the pandemic. I mean, this, is, this looks like a fallen knife to me. Yeah, and this is, to me, a clear 
beneficiary of easy money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the biotech space had a lot of funding during COVID uh, to try to solve for a lot of uh, a lot of problems, including COVID. And that means those biotech names and, and those drug companies had a lot of funding. And that was being spent on companies like Catalent. And, and clearly that funding has dried up in a big, big way. And they've returned, looks like they're returning to their pre-COVID profitability levels. And that's what worries me here is that uh, what is that trend going forward looking like when the cost of capital is now no longer nothing? And this company has a decent amount of debt trading at, let's see, an enterprise value to EBIT of 65. I mean, the multiples are just uh, egregious here. And long term, if you look look at profitability, return on assets is only right around 3% longer term. That's not very exciting. So I'm going to pass on Catalan and the te- and the technicals look poor as well, below all the major moving averages. Okay. Now let's see if we can fit in one last question and answer. This one came in earlier from a listener in England. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Josh from England. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the overall water space. I have been looking at ticker symbol A-R-I-S for a while. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that particular stock, or if you think I'd be better off going with um, like Invesco Global Water ETF PIO. I appreciate any thoughts you have. Thanks. Bye. Interesting. Air, I've never heard of this. Aris Water Solutions, very small company, only $300 million market cap, so firmly in the small cap area. And they provide infrastructure and solutions to directly help customers reduce their water and carbon footprint. Their growth is strong, but it's certainly been slowing. A year ago, revenue growth was 50%. Last quarter, only 29%. In the last two quarters, earnings are down. 11% last quarter, 29% the quarter before. Earnings this year expected to fall 11% in total. 3.4% dividend yield, but a hefty amount of debt. Would you play water this way, Luke, or do you think uh, something more diversified? I would not play water this way, and this will make me laugh when you describe what PIO is, which is it tracks liquidity weighted index of global companies. Hilarious. Good job, guys. Uh, that creates products to conserve and purify water for homes, businesses, and, and industries. Generally speaking, if you're looking to make a play here, I would go with the diversified version. This fund has a little bit high of an expense ratio. So its net expense ratio is 75 basis points. That's kind of high, but it, it makes sense to me given that it's such a specialized fund. Yeah, it's, yeah it makes sense, right? If you're trying to gain access to uh, water in general and, and you don't have to worry about the expertise or just uh, focusing on that one kind of sub-segment of water that is going to generally went out, it's going to be very difficult to do over the long term. So uh, if you just want exposure, I would just go with PIO. I'm Justin Klein here with Luke Guerrero, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. And we have now surpassed the 53.5 million download mark since it all began, thanks to you, and we thank you. So, independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. 
Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.